A moment later Genji entered. He saw with delight that there was only one person in the room, and that the bed was arranged for two. He threw off his cloak and advanced towards the sleeping figure. She seemed a more imposing figure than he had expected, but this did not trouble him. It did indeed seem rather strange that she should be so sound asleep. Gradually he realized with horror that it was not she at all. It is no use thought Genji saying that I have come to the wrong room, for I have no business anywhere here. Nor is it worth while pursuing my real lady, for she would not have vanished like this if she cared a straw about me. What if it were the lady he had seen by the lamplight? She might not after all prove a bad exchange. But no sooner had he thought this than he was horrified at his own frivolity. She opened her eyes. She was naturally somewhat startled, but did not seem to be at all seriously put out. She was a thoughtless creature in whose life no very strong emotion had ever played a part. Hers was the flippancy that goes with inexperience, and even this sudden visitation did not seem very much to perturb her. He meant at first to explain that it was not to see her that he had come. But to do so would have been to give away the secret which Utsusimi so jealously guarded from the world. There was nothing for it but to pretend that his repeated visits to the house, of which the lady was well aware, had been made in the hope of meeting her. This was a story which would not have withstood the most cursory examination, but, outrageous as it was, the girl accepted it without hesitation. He did not by any means dislike her, but at that moment all his thoughts were busy with the lady who had so mysteriously vanished. No doubt she was congratulating herself in some safe hiding place upon the absurd situation in which she had left him. Really, she was the most obstinate creature in the world. What was the use of running after her? But all the same she continued to obsess him. But the girl in front of him was young and gay and charming. They were soon getting on very well together. Is not this kind of thing much more amusing than what happens with people whom one knows? asked Genji a little later. Do not think unkindly of me. Our meeting must for the present remain a secret. I am in a position which does not always allow me to act as I please. Your people too would no doubt interfere if they should hear of it, which would be very tiresome. Wait patiently, and do not forget me. These rather tepid injunctions did not strike her as at all unsatisfactory, and she answered very seriously I am afraid it will not be very easy for me even to write to you. People would think it very odd. Of course we must not let ordinary people into our secret he answered, but there is no reason why this little page should not sometimes carry a message. Meanwhile not a word to anyone. And with that he left her, taking as he did so at Sasimi's thin scarf, which had slipped from her shoulders when she fled from the room. He went to wake his page who was lying not far away. The boy sprang instantly to his feet, for he was sleeping very lightly, not knowing when his help might be required. He opened the door as quietly as he could. Who is that? Someone called out in great alarm. It was the voice of an old woman who worked in the house. It is I answered the boy uneasily. What are you walking about here for at this time of night, and scolding as she came, 
she began to advance towards the door. Bother her thought the boy, but he answered hastily it's all right, I am only going outside for a minute, but just as Genji passed through the door, the moon of dawn suddenly emerged in all her brightness. Seeing a grown man's figure appear in the doorway whom have you got with you, the old lady asked, and then answering her own question why it is Mimbo. What an outrageous height that girl has grown to, and continuing to imagine that the boy was walking with Mimbo, a maid servant whose lankiness was a standing joke in the house, and you will soon be as big as she is, little master, she cried, and so Sang came out through the door that they had just passed through. Genji felt very uncomfortable, and making no answer on the supposed Mimbo's behalf, he stood in the shadow at the end of the corridor, hiding himself as best he could. You have been on duty, haven't you dear, said the old lady as she came towards them. I have been terribly bad with the colic since yesterday, and was lying up, but they were short-handed last night, and I had to go and help, though I did feel very queer all the while. And then, without waiting for them to answer, oh, my pain, my poor pain she muttered I can't stop here talking like this, and she hobbled past them without looking up. So narrow an escape made Genji wonder more than ever whether the whole thing was worthwhile. He drove back to his house, with the boy riding as his postillion. Here he told him the story of his evening's adventure. A pretty mess you made of it. And when he had finished scolding the boy for his incompetence, he began to rail at the sister's irritating prudishness. The poor child felt very unhappy but could think of nothing to say in his own or his sister's defense. I am utterly wretched, said Genji. It is obvious that she would not have behaved as she did last night unless she absolutely detested me. But she might at least have the decency to send civil answers to my letters. Oh, well, I suppose I owe no Kami is the better man. So he spoke, thinking that she desired only to be rid of him. Yet when at last he lay down to rest, he was wearing her scarf hidden under his dress. He had put the boy by his side, and after giving much vent to his exasperation, he said at last I am very fond of you, but I am afraid in future I shall always think of you in connection with this hateful business, and that will put an end to our friendship. He said it with such conviction that the boy felt quite forlorn. For a while they rested, but Genji could not sleep and at dawn he sent in haste for his inkstone. He did not write a proper letter, but scribbled on a piece of folded paper, in the manner of a writing exercise, a poem in which he compared the scarf which she had dropped in her flight to the dainty husk which the cicada sheds on some bank beneath a tree. The boy picked the paper up and thrust it into the folds of his dress. Genji was very much distressed at the thought of what the other lady's feelings must be, but after some reflection he decided that it would be better not to send any message. The scarf, to which still clung the delicate perfume of its owner, he wore for long afterwards beneath his dress. When the boy got home he found his sister waiting for him in very ill humor. It was not your doing that I escaped from the odious quandary in which you landed me. And even so pray what explanation can I offer to my friend? A fine little clown the prince must thank you now. I hope you are ashamed of yourself. Despite the fact that both parties were using him so ill, 
the boy drew the rescued verses from out the folds of his dress and handed them to her. She could not forbear to read them. What of this discarded mantle? Why should he speak of it? The coat that the fishers of Izel left lying upon the shore, those were the words that came into her mind, but they were not the clue. She was sorely puzzled. Meanwhile the Lady of the West was feeling very ill at ease. She was longing to talk about what had happened, but must not do so, and had to bear the burden of her impatience all alone. The arrival of Utsusimi's brother put her into a great state of excitement. No letter for her? She could not understand it at all, and for the first time a cloud settled upon her gay confiding heart. Utsusimi, though she had so fiercely steeled herself against his love, seeing such tenderness hidden under the words of his message, again fell to longing that she were free, and though there was no undoing what was done she found it so hard to go without him that she took up the folded paper and wrote in the margin a poem in which she said that her sleeve, so often wet with tears, was like the cicada's dew-drenched wing.